Today on State Scoop's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group. Keeping momentum going, even amid transition. This is not done. You know, we, we still, I think, have to always make sure that people understand this is not a one and done thing. You know, we have to continually invest in our services, our technology, our people, you know, our security. It's about more than just having a single sign-on. So if every time you're logging in to a state service, you're logging in the exact same way with the exact same look and feel, it builds confidence from the user base and it's less likely that they're gonna click on something that they shouldn't and be in a spot where they're giving away information that they shouldn't because they got tricked. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. South Dakota is banning the use of TikTok on government-issued devices. In an executive order this week, Governor Kristi Noem calls the app, which is owned by a Chinese parent company, a, quote, growing national security threat. Noem also calls on other states to follow South Dakota's lead. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors is voting to allow the city's police department to outfit remote-controlled robots with lethal capabilities. Under a new policy, the department will be allowed to use its robots to kill when there's a risk of loss of life to members of the public or officers. The government already owns 12 ground-based robots, which it has used in non-lethal capacities for more than a decade. The Board of Supervisors will vote one more time on this policy. Buffalo, New York's 311 call center received more than 4,000 calls from residents during a snowstorm last week. The inundation of calls comes as the city has invested in capabilities to allow call handlers to access information and respond to 311 requests from home. That transition means that 311 is not disrupted when the city was hit by six feet of snow, making it difficult to get to the call center at City Hall. You can read these stories and more at statescoop.com. You'll also find links in today's show notes. Massachusetts will have a new governor in January after Democrat Maura Healey defeated Republican Jeff Deal last month. Healey will replace incumbent Governor Republican Charlie Baker, who declined to run for another term. Baker had been in office since 2015 and elevated the state's IT office to cabinet level in 2017. Curtis Wood is the current secretary of that department, as well as the state CIO. He tells me about how he's planning for the transition in the governor's mansion. Over the past, you know, several months, certainly in Massachusetts, you know, like you mentioned, uh, we've you know, we've been preparing, you know, we had an election in November, we have a new administration coming in. Uh, you know, our governor uh, has decided not to run, certainly. And, uh, you know, we have a new governor coming in, new lieutenant governor coming in in January. You know, so my team uh, has been focused on preparing uh, transition documents, certainly documenting, you know, all the materials that, you know, we've, uh, and all the projects we've been working on, you know, really kind of give the new administration a you know, kind of a snapshot in a, in, a, in a story about, you know, where we've come over the last eight years. Uh, more importantly, with our organization, we were created in 2017 as a cabinet level organization where, you know, I sit at the uh, governor's uh, executive table, uh, you know, being able to, you know, work with our fellow cabinet secretaries and our agency business leadership. Uh, really, you know, working on that and focusing on kind of our you know, high priority projects, uh, not only at the business side from an application perspective, but also really about, you know, our modernization efforts over the past several years are, you know, really focusing on resiliency uh, and really, you know, boiling down to about, you know, uh, access to state services, whether it be a, you know, a resident, a business or a visitor to Massachusetts, you know, how do we interact with our constituency? You know, how do we, how do we provide, you know, uh, you know, better access, more secure access, you know, really working on and focus on how we can deliver this better and what people expect, you know, and certainly, you know, over the last several years, certainly 
part of the NASIO uh, community and some of my fellow state CIOs and, you know, just the community in general, including, you know, state scoop and others, you know, kind of learning and understanding, appreciating, you know, what works, what doesn't work, you know, and I, what I found is that, you know, every state's a little bit different in how they approach, you know, our, our, you know, our geography is different, you know, our, you know, our, our population is different, our priorities are a little bit different and really, you know, how do you kind of, how do you adapt to that? So, you know, we've, we've kind of taken a lot of the information we've learned from fellow state CIOs and, and city state CIOs and others and business partners, vendor partners are huge in our decision making uh, and really kind of blended into what, you know, works in Massachusetts. So, you know, over the last several months, you know, uh, in preparing for the administration, you know, certainly with the new administration, certainly we're going to, you know, present them, you know, kind of where we were, you know, where we've come from and where we want to go. Uh, and with that, you know, we hope to hand off a package and provide the next administration, you know, some great, great opportunities for success that we've we've started on. Certainly many we finished, but, you know, some we've not. Uh, areas I think that are interested uh, of interest are certainly, you know, our digital roadmap, you know, next generation digital roadmap really lays out a series of recommendations about, you know, how we can, you know, kind of really get to be one face of government for people. You know, how can we have an easier experience, you know, talking about one identity, you know, for people, uh, you know, how you can communicate, how you can you know, interact with government in the way you live your life, you know, today in a mobile environment or not relying on, you know, standing in line or paper process, you know, again, this the standard stuff. I mean, we've made some progress here, but we've actually been able to develop a, a specific detailed roadmap, you know, about a three to five year roadmap on this area. Another, another, another area that we've really focused on is IT accessibility. Uh, you know, honestly, during the pandemic, you know, like many states, you know, we were able to, you know, you know, quickly move to a remote workforce. But what we experienced was that, <clears throat> you know, that it didn't fit for everybody. And we soon learned that, you know, a lot of our public constituency that, you know, de depended on services or depending on remote meetings, you know, the tools we were offering just weren't good enough. And, you know, uh, we we backed up when it was over a little bit and we've, we formed a group here with our Massachusetts Office of Disability uh, with some of our key stakeholders in, in government and the private sector. And we engaged, you know, a vendor, uh, uh, you know, a consultant come and help us rethink this. So, you know, we did some research across the country and we now have a, you know, set of recommendations with IT accessibility, not just for the workforce itself, but also for our citizens, you know, how we interact with, you know, mass.gov and other areas. So, you know, I think, you know, it really boils down to, you know, it's been our, you know, our theme over the last several years to really about, making sure that, you know, our IT organization and our, our ability to deliver services is really focused around, you know, the citizen, resident, visitors, business access. And then, you know, we break it down. How do we do that through resiliency and certainly the technology? So I think, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. Certainly we've, we've, been, we've been fortunate from a funding perspective that we've had a lot of capital funding. Uh, you know, we've been able to annualize a lot of this cost through a partnership with our administration division. Uh, and then, you know, the kind of the wrap around all of it is really, <clears throat> again, you know, when we talk about, you know, this resiliency, you know, we, we have to, we can't ignore our security aspects. So certainly during this, you know, heightened times with everything going on in the world, uh, we, like other states, are, are being challenged every day uh, with, you know, activity, suspicious activity, certainly, you know, higher than usual network activity, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, we've had to rapidly accelerate some of our programs, certainly around our security operations center, our managed services, uh, you know, technologies and, you know, investments in, in resources. So we've also had a very active campaign on, 
you know, retooling our workforce. You know, we've we've gone through an IT reclassification process from a titling perspective and a pay a pay scale process, and really modernizing our job functions to meet today's needs, uh, as opposed to having 1970s or 80s titles. Uh, really raising our salary bands uh, to recruit and retain. You know, so, and I, I liken this, it's, you know, I think o- over the years, we've always kind of looked at these as independent uh, lanes, but in reality, they're all connected. And I think we finally were able to bring to the table to our administration and to our stakeholders and, you know, and our businesses to understand, you know, this is really, you know, this is a, this is really an integrated approach uh, to how we manage our, you know, our, our technology and our services. And you can't, you can't do one without the other. So I think that's really, you know, I think over the past six months and preparing for this transition, and certainly when we meet with a new team, uh, you know, hand this off and certainly, you know, be able to, I think we've done a pretty good job building this foundation, but, you know, reemphasize to people that, you know, this is not done. You know, we, we still, I think, have to always make sure that people understand this is not a one and done thing. You know, we have to continually invest in our services, our technology, our people, you know, our security, um, you know, in our approaches. Uh, and we have to be responsive. We have to be, you know, uh, considerate of, uh, you know, who, who we serve. Um, and it can't just be our way or the highway. So, I mean, I think, you know, that's what we, I think we've learned. That we've, we've put a pretty good charter together on this and how we're going to approach it. So that, that's kind of what we've been focusing on and, you know, what my interests have been, especially over the last six months as we start, the, as we start moving into a new administration. Yeah. And so, you know, at the end of an administration, at the end of, of work like this, you know, you sort of have that that chance and that time to reflect a little bit. I mean, when you look at things like, you know, you talked about access to services, right? Uh, big, big thing in, in state CIO land right now is sort of giving folks access to those digital services, giving them the tools that they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you... How do you see that change over the time that you've been CIO? How, how, what have you seen that shift be, and how does that um, how does that inflect how you're advising you know folks to to go forward? Over the past you know several months, certainly in Massachusetts, you know, like you mentioned, uh, we've you know we've been preparing. You know, we had an election in November. We have a new administration coming in. Uh, you know, our governor uh, has decided not to run. Certainly, and uh, you know, we have a new governor coming in, new lieutenant governor coming in in January. You know, so my team uh, has been focused on preparing uh, transition documents, certainly documenting, you know, all the materials that, you know, we've uh, and all the projects we've been working on, you know, really kind of give the new administration a, you know, kind of a snapshot in a, in a, in a story about, you know, where we've come over the last eight years. Uh, more importantly, with our organization, we were created in 2017 as a cabinet level organization where, you know, I sit at the uh, governor's uh, executive table. Uh, you know, being able to, you know, work with our fellow cabinet secretaries and our agency business leadership, uh, really, you know, working on that and focusing on kind of our, you know, high priority projects, uh, not only at the business side from an application perspective, but also really about, you know, our modernization efforts over the past several years are, you know, really focusing on resiliency uh, and really, you know, boiling down to about, you know, uh, access to state services, whether it be a, you know, a resident, a business or a visitor to Massachusetts, you know, how do we interact with our constituency? You know, how do we, how do we provide, you know, uh, you know, better access, more secure access, you know, really working on and focus on how we can deliver this better and what people expect, you know, and certainly, you know, over the last several years, certainly part of the NASIO uh, community and some of my fellow state CIOs and, you know, just the community in general, including, you know, state scoop and others 
you know, kind of learning and understanding, appreciating, you know, what works, what doesn't work, you know, and I, what I found is that, you know, every state's a little bit different in how they approach, you know, our, our you know, our geography is different, you know, our, you know, our, our population is different, our priorities are a little bit different, and really, you know, how do you kind of, how do you adapt to that? So, you know, we've, we've kind of taken a lot of the information we've learned from fellow state CIOs and, and city state CIOs and others and business partners, vendor partners are huge in our decision making uh, and really kind of blended into what, you know, works in Massachusetts. So, you know, over the last several months, you know, uh, in preparing for the administration, you know, certainly with the new administration, certainly we're going to, you know, present them, you know, kind of where we were, you know, where we've come from and where we want to go. Uh, and with that, you know, we hope to hand off a package and provide the next administration, you know, some great, great opportunities for success that we've we've started on. Certainly many we finished, but, you know, some we've not. Uh, areas I think that are interested uh, of interest are certainly, you know, our digital roadmap, you know, next generation digital roadmap really lays out a series of recommendations about, you know, how we can, you know, kind of really get to be one face of government for people. You know, how can we have an easier experience, you know, talking about one identity, you know, for people, uh, you know, how you can communicate, how you can you know, interact with government in the way you live your life, you know, today in a mobile environment or not relying on, you know, standing in line or paper process, you know, again, this the standard stuff. I mean, we've made some progress here, but we've actually been able to develop a, a specific detailed roadmap, you know, about a three to five year roadmap on this area. Another, another, another area that we've really focused on is IT accessibility. Uh, you know, honestly, during the pandemic, you know, like many states, you know, we were able to, you know, you know, quickly move to a remote workforce. But what we experienced was that, you know, that it didn't fit for everybody. And we soon learned that, you know, a lot of our public constituency that, you know, did, depended on services or depending on remote meetings, you know, the tools we were offering just weren't good enough. And, you know, uh, we we backed up when it was over a little bit and we we formed a group here with our Massachusetts Office of Disability uh, with some of our key stakeholders in, in government and the private sector. And we engaged, you know, a vendor, uh, uh, you know, a consultant to come and help us rethink this. So, you know, we did some research across the country and we now have a, you know, set of recommendations with IT accessibility, not just for the workforce itself, but also for our citizens, you know, how we interact with, you know, mass.gov and other areas. So, you know, I think, you know, it really boils down to, you know, it's been our, you know, our theme over the last several years to really about, making sure that, you know, our IT organization and our, our ability to deliver services is really focused around, you know, the citizen, resident, visitors, business access. And then, you know, we break it down. How do we do that through resiliency and certainly the technology? So I think, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. Certainly we've, we've been, we've been fortunate from a funding perspective that we've had a lot of capital funding. Uh, you know, we've been able to annualize a lot of this cost through a partnership with our administration division, uh, and then, you know, the kind of the wrap around all of it is really, <clears throat> again, you know, when we talk about, you know, this resiliency, you know, we, we have to, we can't ignore our security aspects. So certainly during this, you know, heightened times with everything going on in the world, uh, we, like other states, are, you know, are being challenged every day uh, with, you know, activity, suspicious activity, certainly, you know, higher than usual network activity, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, we've had to rapidly accelerate some of our programs, certainly around our security operations center, our managed services, uh, you know, technologies and, you know, investments in, in resources. So we've also had a very active campaign on, uh, you know, retooling our workforce. You know, we've, we've gone through an IT reclassification process from a titling perspective and a pay, a pay scale process. 
and really modernizing our job functions to meet today's needs uh, as opposed to having 1970s or 80s titles, uh, really raising our salary bands uh, to recruit and retain. You know, so, and I, I liken this as, you know, I think o- over the years, we've always kind of looked at these as independent uh, lanes, but in reality, they're all connected. And I think we finally were able to bring to the table to our administration and to our stakeholders and, you know, and our businesses to understand, you know, this is really, you know, this is a, this is really an integrated approach uh, to how we manage our, you know, our, our technology and our services. And you can't, you can't do one without the other. So I think that's really you know, I think over the past six months and preparing for this transition, and certainly when we meet with a new team, uh, you know, hand this off and certainly, you know, be able to, I think we've done a pretty good job building this foundation, but, you know, reemphasize to people that, you know, this is not done. You know, we, we still, I think, have to always make sure that people understand this is not a one and done thing. You know, we have to continually invest in our services, our technology, our people, you know, our security, uh, you know, in our approaches. Uh, and we have to be responsive. We have to be, you know, uh, considerate of, uh, you know, who, who we serve. Um, and it can't just be our way or the highway. So, I mean, I think, you know, that's what we, I think we've learned that we've, we put a pretty good charter together on this and how we're going to approach it. So that, that's kind of what we've been focusing on and, you know, what my interests have been, especially over the last six months as we start the, as we start moving into a new administration. Big, big thing in, in state CIO land right now is sort of giving folks access to those digital services, giving them the tools that they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do you see that change over the time that you've been CIO? How, how, what have you seen that shift be mm-hmm. and how does that um, how does that inflect how you're advising, you know, folks to to go forward? Sure, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, from my perspective, and uh, you know, I think you know we we've seen a you know a gradual shift, uh, uh, you know, away from uh, you know the businesses uh, kind of designing these for their internal uh, needs. You know, I think you know we've all experienced that. You know, we tend to, in government, we tend to build things or name things that we're familiar with. Uh, you know, we kind of manage to build these processes that make our jobs a little bit easier or or, or do jobs the way we like to do our jobs. Uh, and I think, honestly, and I, and I, you know, I harken back to, you know, 2020, 2021, you know, the height of the pandemic, you know, it really forced us to do things completely different. Uh, and it gave us an opportunity from a technology uh, organization <clears throat> uh, to work with the business, you know, to find common ground, uh, you know, and through our digital services group, you know, uh, you know, we've developed some real, uh, uh, you know, good policy framework and standards. And, you know, we've we've subscribed to and we prescribe to our agencies that, you know, we do have a standard operating environment. And within that standard operating environment, you know, when we talk about digital experiences, you know, simple things like, you know, naming the appropriate, naming a URL that you can actually read or understand. We talk about, you know, things like clear language. Uh, You know, these things don't really resonate with people because we tend to, especially on the government side, as we live in our acronyms and we live in our, you know, our bureaucracy and our jargon. Uh, And we've really worked very diligently to make sure that our business folks, our agencies, understand that it's really not about them and it's really about the people that we serve in the business you know our team you know and many states have done this uh you know we work very hard to do surveys and go out in the field and talk to people 
you know, what, what resonates with them, what doesn't, you know, even like I said, a simple naming convention for URL, a website, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, the information on there is well organized. We recently did a, a data hub, you know, again, we were able to, you know, kind of present data for all our agencies. We found that a lot of our agencies data wasn't tagged appropriately. It was, you know, it wasn't described appropriately, a lot of PDFs out there. So, you know, we, we made an effort to really kind of, you know, not only standardize the approach, but also educate and inform our business, you know, our business partners of the importance. Again, sometimes it becomes that checklist. I just got to get something posted, you know, so we've worked on that. I think the other, I think the other important component is, and I do think that, you know, the technology group along with our vendor partners um, and in our business are willing to, you know, kind of risk a little bit more today to understand the need to deliver these services in a much different way. So, you know, anytime we do a, you know, a bid, a procurement, uh, you know, we have a set of standards that, you know, people need to subscribe to. And, you know, we, we make it clear, uh, you know, we, we try to prioritize, you know, uh, you know, less customization, certainly around, you know, portability, around, you know, accessibility, around standard, you know, kind of platform as service, you know, things of that nature uh, and make it easier and, and really focus on and remind our business leaders that, you know, the customer is the one that needs to access the service, not you. Uh, and it's and I will tell you, it's it, it we've made great success in that area, but it's a continual challenge, uh, you know, to, you know, fight through some of these things at times, uh, you know, at specific agencies or, or just the way people are used to doing things. Uh, but again, I see the progress. I see the uh, willingness to uh, share information more. You know, when we talk about. Uh, when we talk about a single identity, right? You know, people traditionally get all freaked out about that. They think it's about, you know, well, you can't see my data. I said, well, that's not really what we're talking about. We're really talking about creating, you know, identity for an individual that can access state services and you can let them decide what they want to share. It's really changing the mindset. But in order to do that, certainly, you know, we've, we've engaged a chief privacy officer. We have a chief risk officer. We have, you know, all of our, we have all of our, chief so to speak working with our you know working you know working in con, you know in conjunction with each other in alignment to get to to get to yes as opposed to get to no so i mean i think these are just some of the funnel ones that our agency you know can can lead on from a guidance and the standards and certainly a technology strategy and i think it's starting to pay off uh, uh is a perfect no but i think at the end of the day i think our state is much more willing to, you know, work in that direction than it was four years ago or eight years ago or 10 years ago. So I think that's the big progress and it, it, it's incremental, but it's, it, it's making progress. Yeah. Biggest achievement over the last year. What are you, what are you most proud of? What, when you, you know, turn the lights off on, on December 31st uh, and, and leave the office yep. to go into 2023, what are you most happy that you got done this year? Yeah, I think, I think for me, uh, I think the ability, and certainly we've, we've done some good stuff from a technology perspective, uh, and we continue to do that. But I think for me, the biggest accomplishment is that uh, I'm very pleased with our ability to build capacity uh, and organizational capacity and structure. You know, when I, when I first got here, I think, you know, we certainly uh, didn't have the appropriate uh, or, or what I would suggest as a, you know, a well you know, structured management structure. Um, and I think, you know, being able to invest in our leadership and our people, you know, and to create, uh, you know, an organizational structure that has accountability and has resiliency and has, 
you know, and, and, and they're competent and they're, they're uh, and we invest in them from a salary structure and from, uh, you know, recruitment and retention. I work with them to build the appropriate staff, uh, you know, that needs to be in the place for the today. Uh, and really investing in the people. And I've, I've really been pleased to see the, the benefits of that because I think, you know, with the team we have in place, uh, you know, from the, from the lowest, from the lowest grade all the way to the highest grade, you know, it's a much more uh, oil machine than it was. I think as op- we've created opportunities, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've done a nice job, I think of, um, you know, investing in the staff and, and rewarding the staff, uh, but also making sure that we hold ourselves accountable. Uh, and then honestly, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, during this past three years, and I know we talked about this past year, but the staff's ability to, uh, you know, maintain day-to-day and then respond and uh, adapt to the ever-changing environments, not just from a business perspective, but I think really of what we're faced with today with challenges from a security perspective, uh, from influences, from budgetary challenges, uh, you know, all these new programs and state government that people want to do, you know, I think we finally built a model where we have a we have a model that actually works. Uh, you know, and we and, and again, we're not done because I think you know you just can't stop there. But I think that's the biggest achievement is build, building some organizational leadership capacity. And when I leave, I feel that you know most importantly, there's continuity, and that like if I leave or I get hit by a bus, that's okay. You know, that the next guy or gal up. You know, we've built that we've built that continuity from a leadership and management uh, that you know can take over and continue to with continue with the the strategy and can work at uh, you know the new administration's direction what their priorities are. These people, the team that we've built here in Massachusetts, I feel that is capable and competent uh, to to continue on, maintain continuity and sustainability. So I think that's the most important thing we can do within an IT organization, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, government operations continues and grows. Kurt Wood, CIO for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. You can read more about him and the state's transition to a new governor at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. I'm Jake Williams, host of State Scoop's Priorities Podcast next week on the show. Main CIO Fred Britton outlines his top priorities and focuses for next year. You can subscribe to the podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. My login, Michigan's digital identity platform, is more than eight years old, but continues to grow. The platform is the main login tool for more than 300 applications that several different state agencies offer. It has more than 8.5 million unique users. The program was nominated for a NASIO Annual State IT Recognition Award this year and won a StateScoop 50 Award earlier this year as well. Rex Minold, Michigan's Director of Enterprise Information, Content, and Identity Management, tells State Scoops Colin Wood where my login is now. So my login is the state of Michigan's a single identity solution that we use for both worker, third party, and public use. The goal for my login, which has been in progress for about six years, is to provide that single identity solution for getting state services and, and not just for the public, right? But, you know, state workers, you know, we want them to go through my login to get to all their services. We want you know, third party, you know, vendors and other businesses that work with us, we want them to go through the same one. Um, and we've kind of built that up from, you know, 
having maybe one application um, to being around 340 applications right now. And, you know, being from, a, you know, a couple thousand users five or six years ago to being almost 10 million users now. We're actually to the point where my login is not, we're not trying to onboard people anymore, right? Pretty much everybody in the state has an account uh, that wants to. Um, it's more of a onboarding services and features now at this point, as opposed to, you know, growing the system, improving the infrastructure, things like that. We've 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 kind of completed the the back end infrastructure piece, and now it's in a kind of a feature enhancement and getting you know moving the services on board to to get all on board at this point. Right. As a security official, um, how do you think about this platform? So. I've been the deputy chief security officer for about 12 days. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but we've always thought of my login as being one of the key components to the state of Michigan's security posture, right? So identity is a key component to zero trust. If you're going to verify identity all the time, you need a, a really robust identity solution, which uh, my login provides that. <clears throat> the other value as someone coming from the security side for my login is it lets us solve security issues one time, right? So if we have an issue, what's a, a good example is Salesforce. Salesforce changed their rules about multi-factor authentication and um, end of last year, beginning of this year. And so the state of Michigan has a lot of Salesforce applications. Instead of having to solve that 34 times, for the state of Michigan, we solved it one time in my login and saved the state millions of dollars in development work because we solved the multi-factor in my login. It automatically gets distributed to all those Salesforce apps that are in my login and they don't have to solve that problem on their own. And that happens over and over and over. There was log for j stuff from last year. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be security issues, but if we can solve them one time because we all of our identity goes through the same place, that's not just a cost savings for the state, but also a giant security uh, benefit for us because we can solve problems quicker and we know that we can solve them one time. Right. Are those the main benefits or are there others? Oh, no. I mean, so those are the main benefits from me with my you know, deputy CSO hat, but from, the, from say the public or even from the agencies that use our service, so if you're a public user of my login, which I am as well, right? I renew my driver's license. You know, I can get all sorts of services. One of the, um, we did a usability study. And um, one of the things that people said about state services in general is they weren't always sure if they were on a real website because the there wasn't consistency in uh, the look and feel. Mm -hmm. So if every time you're logging in to a state service, you're logging in the exact same way with the exact same look and feel, it builds confidence from the user base. And it's less likely that they're going to click on something that they shouldn't and be in a spot where they're giving away information that they shouldn't because they got tricked, right? So mm -hmm. having that consistency for the public is a big deal. And then also when we have my login as the front end for everything, uh, you know, all of our services, you know, whether it's, you know, health and human services stuff, or it's unemployment, or, you know, it's, 
you know, your driver's license or something like that, having the same having that same level of security in front of everything means we don't have to, every time we build a new app or every time we change security, we don't have to do that for each app. They know that they're getting, they know what they're getting and that they know that we meet all of the policies and standards for the state of Michigan and for the federal government, depending on what the application is. They know that we already do that. So they don't have to worry about meeting those uh, separately or having to pay extra for that from their vendor. They just know their vendor needs to be able to meet, you know, the uh, kind of our standard way of integrating. Hmm. So do, uh, do your friends and family know that this is part of your job? Do people, do people like tell you stuff you need to fix and things like in that? my login? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, a few of them kind of know, okay. uh, that it's what I do. Um, I think most of them, don't really know what I do at the state, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, I've gotten a few comments. My daughter um, uses it the most probably, but you know, she's 24. So she actually knows how IT works. She has no issues with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom has probably never used it and never will. Like she'll go renew her driver's license in person every single time. Right. Um right. So, yeah, I do get comments about fixing it from people internal to the state, right? Not because they're using it as a state worker, but because uh, they logged into it from, uh, you know, as a public you know, as a public resident yeah. of Michigan, right? And they'll be like, you know, I did this and I couldn't remember my password and you should have a better way of resetting passwords or things like mm-hmm. that. And, and some of that has actually happened, right? Where you know, before we did a usability study, a lot of it was word of mouth we got from uh, help desks or we got from people that we knew that used it. Um, it's tricky to get a public perspective on your application, even though it's very public facing, it has millions and millions of users. It's tricky to get that perspective, which is why we had to doing a like a real usability study on it uh, last spring. Hmm. This sort of platform for a lot of states is uh has been you know kind of viewed as a holy grail or something really to aspire to and it seems like you know you guys are having you know you're not done but you're having some good success and good progress in implementing this what have the what have the big challenges been so far in terms of getting as far as you've gotten um (laughs) uh, one of them was we decided to do a huge piece of it about a month before covid Mm. and we had already we decided that we it needed to be more robust and it needed to be ready to handle the entire state. And we signed a bunch of contracts in January and we sent home the entire state about 40 days later. Yeah. And without really the option of not completing our project on time, right? Because the timing had a lot to do with new things that were coming from our secretary of state. It had new things, uh, things like that. So we one had to keep our existing system to be able to handle the, you know, the 7,000% increase we got in unemployment claims, right. Which run through our system. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had to keep, we had to make the old system be able to handle everything that, you know, having an entire state want to switch to online digital services simultaneously, you know, in the middle of March and also go live beginning of the next January and not miss our deadlines. Right. So that was a challenge. I'm sure my team will say that was their biggest challenge. Um, For me, the biggest challenge was 
uh, communication and communicating with the, the um, I'll guess say uh, my customers and not the public facing customers, but the, my agency customers and convincing them that we had the right idea, right? Like we were taking industry best practice. We were going in the direction that all states were going to go. We were just doing it first. Um, and the trick with that, I think, was really almost over communicating with them. Originally, we, you know, we would do the regular communicating. We'd talk to some of the some of their leaders and have meetings, you know, once in a while and you know, monthly and things like that. What we learned is we had to have much, we had to have a much bigger buy-in from the agency's perspective um, for something that's this big, right? We're talking about having all state services go through a single place, which means every single agency has a really big, all the opinions matter and everyone needs to kind of be on the same page. So we started an advisory group where we were just doing communication and we were looking for feedback and we're looking for, you know, what are the agencies looking for? What don't they like? What do they like? What do they want the next changes to be? And that was working really well. That was going for about a year and then we realized, how do we decide if the uh, Department of State wants one thing and the um, unemployment agency wants something else? How are, do I make that call? Because that seems not great, right? How do we decide direction? How do we decide priority? So we eventually had to form um, an executive council just for this, which is not a thing we do up for applications at the state of Michigan usually, right? But because my login has such a wide scope and affects the state in such a huge way, we actually have deputy director levels from across the state on this executive council and they prioritize things. They decide direction, they decide, you know, things that we're going to do so that when we are asking people to to go in a direction. It's not me telling the agencies what we're going to do. It's me asking the agencies and then taking their, taking their wants and needs and, you know, requirements, and then turning that into a, turning that into a plan, turning that into a roadmap. Um, so that was really tricky. And if you don't have that, I don't know how you, can stay successful. I mean, we had a governor's mandate. We have a policy. We have standards that also you have to use my login. That doesn't matter if the agencies don't buy in. And really giving them ownership of it is what is what really got us there, I think, eventually. Hmm. For people who were skeptical or, or had misgivings, do you remember what the main points of contention were? It could be anything, right? So um, it could be things like, we want to publish help desk numbers on the main my login help page mm -hmm. and some agencies say absolutely not that will just give us a million calls and some agencies say yes put it in the biggest font you can yeah and, mm -hmm. and how do i how do i decide right um it could be other stuff it could be it's literally everything it's look and feel it's do we prioritize uh, a fraud module or do we prioritize id proofing it's, it's, it's every, it's literally everything. And when you're looking for the perspective of everybody, I mean, 
you do you can't just have like a you have to have the people at the highest level kind of making the call right and it, it wasn't even anything in particular right it was just that we needed the agencies not to feel like we were telling them what we were going to do that they were letting us know what they needed and we were going to respond to that right okay so what's left to do um <laughs> and what's uh yeah when when do you get to to say that you're really done with this project so i we kind of think about it in in three phases so the first phase was literally standing it up so it could do anything right it could be single sign-on it could send you it could, you could log in, in a single place you could get to your different applications the second phase was really ramping up the infrastructure going to a cloud platform and really being able to handle a huge volume, right? The volume that the state needs, which we're only partway in, but the, the cloud platform is flexible enough that we can really handle all the apps the state has. Um, so that was what we called my login 2.0, which is went live about a year and a half ago. Phase three for us was what we're calling my login next is all the enhancements that are beyond basic basic identity management, right? So basic identity management is you can log in, you can get to your app, you probably have some ID proofing, you have MFA, you have, you know, the standard integration stuff. Um, you can reset passwords, you can do all the basic stuff, right? And it works really well. It's pretty smooth. My login.next is taking all the things the agencies are saying that they want to improve the system and us putting that into a roadmap, which once again, we worked with our advisory board and our executive council, prioritize that, get funding for that, and then make those next things happen. So those next things are things like passwordless authentication. One of the biggest issues we have is there's a lot of help desk calls when the people can't reset their own password. We have self-service options and things like that, but cutting down on help desk calls saves all the agency's money Passwords are the main issue. So if we implement passwordless authentication, that's going to knock that number down even more. Is my mom going to do passwordless? No. But are a lot of users going to do that? Sure. Yeah. They'll use their phone. Their face will pop up. There's, you know, there's a whole process for how it works, but you cannot have a password and your, your phone kind of authenticates you. We're going to do things like fraud analytics where we're going to, where we're going to stop a lot of bad actors before they even get to the applications. There's like 27 things on this list that are going to happen over the next couple of years. Is that going to be the end? I mean, when we built the list, we're like, this is not everything we can think of, but it's everything that we could think of and that people were requesting. But literally since that list was finalized, because it's in, and that list is going to happen in three or four phases, what I'm calling phase five, which doesn't exist, are all the things we're thinking of after the fact that we're like, oh shoot, we should have thought of that. A perfect example is the thing we implemented for Salesforce is not on was not on the enhancement list for my login next. It's TOTP. It has to do with getting MFA through um, uh, in a different way. But we didn't think of that. We had to implement it anyway because to to meet the Salesforce requirement. But it was a thing we didn't think of. That's great, and we're going to use it all the time. But we didn't think of it. So I don't know when you're done. Right, because identity is going to change, and we're going to have to change with it. And people are going to think of new things that they want us to do, and we're going to have to be flexible with that. Because you know, our council might say, "Hey, this is a new priority. 
fit it in. Here's, here's how we're going to fund it and then make it happen. So yeah, I'm hoping after next it's maybe fairly set up, but I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> I think, you know, a lot of the stuff like zero trust and, you know, how much we're going to verify identity and how much more often is going to change how we work. There's, there's just so many variables. I don't know. I think identity is something that you're never really done with. Rex Manol, director of my login and Michigan's director of enterprise information, content, and identity management. You can read more about him and my login at statescoop.com and in links in today's show notes. The Priorities Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a production of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Carlin Fisher and James Mahoney helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.